I'm honored to be able to stand before you today and to lead our minds in the study of God's Word. And I appreciate the reading that Brother Caleb has just read for us in 1 Thessalonians. And we will arrive at that text in due course of our study. I want to add my word of welcome to our visitors. We're so happy that you're with us. And I'm glad that Rich poured it all out so I don't have to go down that list and miss somebody this time. So we're just thankful everybody is here who's visiting. And uh, we look forward to... Uh, having time to, to visit with you as at uh, the conclusion of the lesson. And, and if you have any questions about what is taught or practiced, then we hope that you'll uh, share those questions with uh, either myself, if something that I've said, or any of us here that we might study God's Word more with you and discuss the things that have to do with eternity, with the return of Jesus, as we're going to focus our attention today Uh, on discussing the subject of the rapture. And we've entitled the subject Rupturing the Rapture because when we begin to give an objective uh, observation, a study, an assessment of what God's Word says, then we're going to find some very clear discrepancies and problems with the the, uh, commonly held view of a rapture, at least commonly held among those of an evangelical persuasion, uh, and a premillennial uh, disposition. Uh, so I invite you to open your Bible. If you disagree with what we say, then don't just walk out in disagreement. Let's, let's go to God's Word together and find the unity and harmony that's found there and that God expects of us uh, as we follow Him. If you're not a Christian, then we encourage you above all else to become a child of God, to be in harmony with His Word and will about your salvation. Uh, While there are many uh, offerings made in the world about how to be saved and how to be sure you're saved, the Bible is not unclear. It's very clear uh, about our responsibility of faith in order to be saved. God has offered His grace in Jesus Christ. He's made His uh, grace available to us all. But His Word of grace teaches us that we must believe Jesus is from above, that He is the Son of God, or we'll, we'll perish. It says that unless we repent, we will perish. We must obey the commandment to repent or we will die in our sins. We must obey the commandment to confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord as an expression of our heart that He in fact is the Lord and that we acknowledge that. And we must obey the commandment to be baptized for remission of sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. You see, to have a saving faith, we must have a faith that obeys God. And if we will fear Him and work righteousness, we will be acceptable to Him. Acts 10, 34 and 35. We hope that will be your response to the Gospel today. And each day then, living as a Christian, walking in truth, uprightly before Him and according to His will. We are warned, even as people were warned in the time of Jesus, Jesus gave warning to His apostles not to be deceived by those who would try to predict the end of the age. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, Jesus gave warnings to His apostles concerning the end of Jerusalem not to accept the warnings that people would give about certain things as they viewed it as the end of their world, the end of the world. And in Matthew 24, and beginning in verse 3, He sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to Him privately saying, Tell us, when will all these things be and what will be the sign of Your coming of the end of the age or the end of the world? He just talked to them about the, the uh, destruction of the temple. And Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. 
There are deceivers. Many will come in My name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled. How many people today are troubled because they hear about war and rumors of war and they get troubled about the end of the world and about the coming... Jesus said, "Don't." He even told them then when He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, don't be troubled because of wars and rumors of war. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earth famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You know, people worry about the earthquakes and the famines and say, oh, the end is near. Oh, Jesus is about to return. You don't know that. Amen. Jesus didn't give those as signs of His return. He said those are deceivers. And He continues by then giving some real signs, beginning in verse 15, to watch for, for the impending destruction of Jerusalem that was going to come and that did come as God's judgment against the unbelieving nation. And yet, in the midst of all that, He told them, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then Jerusalem is going to fall, the temple is going to be destroyed. And then He goes on to give those signs. It's not hard to understand unless we have been convinced that there's going to be some kind of external signs today and approaching the fact uh, the time when Jesus comes himself for the final time. Because you see, one of the, the main doctrines that and the doctrine we're going to talk about this morning is this doctrine that, well, Jesus is going to come back invisibly for a period of time, and then he's going to come back to the earth for a thousand years. And so, let me just outline that for you a little bit, because when we start talking about the rapture, then, then we have to, to uh, understand what we're talking about. Um, because you have to go, you have to really do some contortions with Scripture to come to it. You may be familiar with Left Behind. Uh, uh, this came out, you know, close to 20 years ago now, I suppose. In fact, in the, before, uh, late, earlier than 20 years ago. Uh, but, but the Left Behind series, uh, you know, became movies then in 2001. And it's based on the premillennial, premillennial theology of Old Testament prophets in the book of Revelation. Now here's the, here's the, here's the timeline from, of premillennialism uh, in a nutshell. It's summarized. But of course, Jesus came to earth. And He intended to set up His kingdom, we're told. But the Jews resisted. They re- rebelled. They rejected. And so God withdrew the kingdom promise and He substituted the church. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, then the church age began. That's not the kingdom, because God withdrew the kingdom, and He sent the church instead. And so now we're living in the church age. But, But one of these days, and to hear them tell it, it's approaching. It's close. We don't know for sure, but could be any day now. It could be in our time. That's what Left Behind was emphasizing. Of course... Al Lindsay said the same thing, you know. He said it happened what forty years after Israel was established as a nation. That's long since come and gone. Hal Lindsay's a false prophet, pure and simple. But but one of these days, people are going to be, going to be caught up. Poof! 
They're going to be, they're going to be driving cars, they're going to be flying airplanes, and it's going to disappear. That's the rapture, we're told. And, and then that's going to be followed by seven, some say ten years of great tribulation here on earth. They refer back to Matthew 24 in the context that said it's going to happen in that generation. But they, they say, no, there's a great period of tribulation that's going to be on the earth after that rapture because God's going to catch up all the saints so they don't have to endure this great tribulation. But, but and right when it seems like everything is darkest and, and, and most evil and, and evil's going to win, Christ is going to come at Armageddon and He's going to save the day, save the world. He's going to destroy the devil and He's going to set up His kingdom for a thousand years here on earth. He's come back to Jerusalem. He's going to sit on David's throne in Jerusalem and going to be a thousand years of tranquility and peace over this world. Christ is going to set everything right. And after that thousand year kingdom on earth, there'll be the judgment. And, and there'll be a, there'll be a judgment, a resurrection then of the wicked, and, and there'll be the day of judgment, and uh, then heaven and hell. So, I know there's variations on that theme, but we don't have time to go into the variations this morning. The word rapture and the idea of rapture is a secret catching away of the church, both resurrected and living saints who were caught up to meet the Lord in the air and, and fits into that time frame that we were just talking about. The man who popularized this doctrine was a guy named John Darby in 1830. You go back in the writing and, and, uh, of people who are teaching about the return of Jesus and you really don't find anything about this until about 1830. John Darby. And of course, from him came all kinds of variations on that theme. William Miller, Ellen G. White, all of the and many others who have some variation on on the idea of a kingdom on earth and a rapture and so forth. So, just historically, uh, you can't trace the doctrine back very long. But but maybe the Bible's taught it all along and we just missed it. I mean that maybe that's possible. Maybe we just misunderstood the Bible all these all these years. So so that we just put that where it is. That's just the reality of, of the past, but we want to be sure what the Bible teaches. But before we look at the Bible itself, I just want us to understand what what this doctrine is. It it's saying that that the rapture is the beginning of the end. It's a sign of the end times. That there's going to be this increasing world chaos. Wars and rumors of wars. I already mentioned that. Saul, that's not quite the context Jesus used it in, the way people are using it today. But there's going to be this secret snatching away. Now, let's go to Matthew 24 for a second here, because, and we'll come back to this thought, but in Matthew 24, key verse. Let me give you the key verse right now before we go any farther. Matthew 24, verse 34. Because he says, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will not by no, will by no means pass away till all these things shall take place. So whatever Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 24, he gives a time stamp to it. He says they're going to happen in that generation. And that time stamp includes this, uh, this idea of being snatched away. They refer to Matthew 24. 40 and 41, you know, where it says two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left, and two women will be 
grinding the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. See, one will be left, one, God will snatch one away. Well, is that what he's, is he talking about some invisible snatching away? Well, let's find out. Let's go to Luke's account. You know, the synoptics are so important because they give us a full picture of the teaching of Jesus. And in Matthew, the 17th chapter, we get a little, we learn a little bit about how he's using this figure and when he's using that to apply it to. In Luke 17, and beginning in 34, the Word of God, Jesus says, I tell you, in that night, and by the way, he's talking about when the Son of Man will be in his day, when he will be revealed in judgment. He's going to come in judgment. By the way, that's what Matthew 24 said. Matthew 24, 30, 31. He's going to come in judgment against Jerusalem. So this is, this is his day. This is his day of judgment. And in Luke 17, 32, or 33, whoever, uh, I'm sorry, verse 34, I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Two in the field, one taken and one left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Where, Lord? Where, where's this going to happen? He says it's where the, where the vultures are gathering, where the eagles are, where the, where, the carrion, where, the, 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 where the carrion is, and where the eagles are. That's where you, you find the body, you find the eagle. That's where it's going to be happening. Now, what's he talking about? Well, go back to Matthew 24 and you're going to find out who he's, what he's talking about. Look at verse 28. And remember, Jesus said, Whatever's happening before verse 34 is happening in this generation. Before this generation. He says it's all going to come to pass in that generation. Verse 28. Where the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. He's talking about the gathering of the army of Rome. The dead body, the dead carcass is Jerusalem. That was going to happen during that generation. You see, the one left and one taken is not a literal invisibility of one and the leaving of another. He's describing the suddenness of the judgment that would come. There would be some prepared and some that would not be. The ones prepared would be the ones that would read the signs of that day and escaped Jerusalem, fled to the mountains as Matthew 24 tells them to do. Not even talking about the end of the world when Jesus comes the final time, because there will be no flight that will escape his presence then. Amen. So when we put Matthew 24 in its context of that generation and the destruction of Jerusalem, it ruptures the rapture. It ruptures it. But they say, no, there's going to be a seven year tribulation, which is. In fact, the verse they quote is the verse that's happened in that generation, Matthew 24, down through 28. And here's some of the proof texts of that. Of course, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15-17 is the main text used to try to support this doctrine. And it says, we say to you by the Word of the Lord. So this is by the authority of Jesus Christ. We're giving you what His Word is on the matter. And by the way, what they're telling them is so that the Christians would have hope, would be reassured in their hope. 
that uh, although uh, Christians are dying, they're going to rise again because Jesus died and He rose again. So we tell you this by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, that is living Christians and remain until the coming of the Lord, until He comes back, will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, the dead Christians are not going to miss out on anything that happens when Jesus comes back. We're not going to go ahead of, if we're living when Jesus comes, we're not going to go ahead of them. We're not going to get to jump line and be in front and they're pushed to the back. No, he said the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, that is, we who are living when Jesus comes back, verse 15, we who are alive who are left will together with him them be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now watch it. And so, in this manner, we will always be with the Lord. That's significant. Because that's a, that's, a, that's a statement of manner. How we will always be with the Lord. How will we be with Him? Not on the earth. It's going to be burned up when He returns. Second Peter 3. No. We're going to be caught up and always be with Him. And we'll find out how as we go along a little bit further in this study. It's not going to be on earth. You see, we're going to be caught up. That it's not going to be invisible either. You see, there's some fundamental problems with the doctrine of rapture. It's the wrong time, and we've already spent some some uh, some time discussing that. So we won't we won't replow that, except to remind you, it said this generation. The passage appealed to as the great tribulation that's somewhere out in in the future, after this so-called rapture occurs, is a passage that Jesus put before uh, and during AD seventy. During that generation that lived, leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome, that happened in AD 70. This generation will not pass away. And you cannot have that passage talking about something in our future and Jesus be a true prophet. You want to cling to the rapture, then accept its consequences, and its consequences, Jesus taught error. I'm not, I'm not willing to go there. And I don't think you are either. So don't go there with false teachers. Stand apart. Stand in truth. But look further. It's the wrong place. We talked about this just now. It's where the body is. Where the dead body is is where the vultures gather. What was the dead body? His context in Matthew 24, 28 was the destruction of the temple. The end of the Jewish system there that whole, as God's judgment, He said your house is left to you desolate. Just the prior chapter, a few verses up. So He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. But they want to make... But, but see, the rapture doctrine says, it's, no, 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 that's not Jerusalem, that's out in the future. No, we're going to take what the Bible says, not what man says. The Bible says, it's where... That army is, by the way, uh, that, and, and they're more than just what we looked at a moment ago. But that's sufficient to show. I'm not talking about the future. So, so, rapture has the wrong time, rapture has the wrong place, and it has the wrong events. 1 Thessalonians 4. You see, 1 Thessalonians 4 is not silent, it is not secret, it is not invisible. 
The Lord Himself will descend from heaven. The Lord Himself. This is not secret. This is not no one seeing this happen. Oh no. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be the, the trumpet of, of signaling deliverance. This is going to be visible. It's going to be audible. You cannot go to this passage and teach a secret, silent, catching away of saints. Just not what the text says. Just not there. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52 refers to this same time. 1 Corinthians 15 and the 52nd verse says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Well, that'd be that trumpet of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 The trumpet of God at the last trump for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That's not sounding like the rapture doctrine. No, the rapture doctrine says oh, the righteous will be raised and the, and the righteous will be caught up, but, but, but it will be secret. People won't know what happened. No, everyone will know what happened. According to the Bible. Please don't accept this false doctrine. Please reject the, de- the deception of this error. To say it was only seven days? No. We read 1 Thessalonians 4.17, thus we will always be with the Lord. It doesn't say, thus we'll be seven years with the Lord. Or seven years plus a thousand years. No, it says we'll always be with the Lord. Caught up with Him and those who are living. Caught up together with, together with the Lord. Let's see, the Bible says there's one personal coming of Jesus. The rapture doctrine says there's a silent secret coming of Jesus, and then there's a visible uh, uh, universal coming of Jesus. Global coming of Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7 says that when Christ comes, He's going to uh, give, uh, He will give you who are troubled rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who don't know God and do not obey the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, when Jesus comes with His angels, as 1 Thessalonians 4.16 said, then it's going to be a period of punishment upon the wicked and reward for the righteous. One personal coming. Acts 1 and verse 11. When the angels told the apostles, this same Jesus whom you saw go up into heaven will so come in like manner as He went into heaven. Visible, personal, once. So, what, so why all this manipulation of clear passages of Scripture? Why this contortion? Why lifting out of its context in Matthew 24 <coughs> pardon me, of this generation to make it something that's still out in our future? There's a fundamental reason and a fundamental problem. And that is because of a misunderstanding of the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of Christ in the Scriptures is the church of Christ. The church that belongs to Christ. It's His church. That's His kingdom. It was prophesied in Daniel 2 and 44 and many other Old Testament prophecies about the kingdom. But Daniel 2.44 is important because it tells us when that kingdom would be established. In the days of the kings of the fourth world empire, 
signified by the feet and the clay, legs, feet, and clay of the image Nebuchadnezzar saw. That fourth world empire, first Babylon, then Medes and Persians, then the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And its its reign will not be given to another. In the days of those kings, God didn't withdraw the promise. He brought a kingdom that is spiritual. And now as then, too many people think the kingdom of Christ is some earthly kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. When asked, when is the kingdom going to come? In Luke 17, Jesus said, the kingdom does not come with observation. Saying, lo here, lo there, for the kingdom of God is within you or in your midst. The kingdom of God comes today when the gospel of the kingdom is planted in a sinner's heart. He holds it fast and he bears fruit. That is, he's converted. Christ adds that person to the kingdom because the kingdom exists. And the kingdom is in your midst when you believe and you obey the word of the gospel of the kingdom. It exists today. It's his church. You see, when Jesus came to the earth, he came preaching the gospel of God and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, I know there's people, this whole doctrine wants to tell us, well, the kingdom of God is one thing and the kingdom of heaven is another thing. We're not going to take time today to disassemble that, but clearly they are the same thing. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is the same thing. Jesus said it's near. Why did He say it was near? Well, He came in the days of those kings. Luke 3 and verse 1. Tiberius Caesar is ruling. Roman Empire. Jesus said in Mark 9 and verse 1, verse 1, I tell you that there are some of you who stand by who shall in no wise taste of death. You will not die until you see the kingdom of God come with power. Jesus prophesied the coming of His kingdom with power. They would see it happen in their lifetime. Again, either it happened or Jesus is a false prophet. You see, we've got to have the right understanding of what the kingdom is. It's the rule and reign of the king. And we are his subjects. That's why we have Philippians 3.20 on our sign this morning. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're also, we wait for a Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. We are citizens of a kingdom now. And we await the king's return now. In Acts 1, 6-8, Lord, do You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus answered His apostles that that wasn't for them to be concerned with. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father's put under His own authority. The Father will act by His authority to accomplish the bringing of the kingdom, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You want to know about the kingdom coming? God's going to act by His power, His authority. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the other parts of the earth. Well, in chapter 2, 1-4, through that was fulfilled. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles on that day and they preached the Gospel of the Kingdom. 
And they preach the king is on his throne. In Acts 2 and 32, this Jesus God raised up of where we are all witnesses. The apostles were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. Now watch this. Being exalted at God's right hand. Received from, he received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's poured forth this which you see in here. The presence of the Holy Spirit miraculously upon the apostles was proof that the Christ is on His throne at the right hand of God. Psalm 110 and verse 1 is quoted, The Lord said to my Lord, Set thou at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. Yet have I set my King upon my holy hill of Zion. I will tell the decree the, the Lord has said unto me, You are my Son, this day I have begotten you. He has been set forth as God's Son in His resurrection and He has been anointed, coronated at God's right hand as King. And so now, through the Gospel and through the redemption that we have through the very blood of Jesus Christ, we are transferred out of the kingdom of, the, of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Today, we're in the kingdom. And unless and until one acknowledges that the kingdom is the church, then they're going to be confused and misunderstand not just about the kingdom, but then this business of a rapture prior to the coming of the kingdom. But the kingdom's already here, you see, because when Jesus comes and resurrects all the dead, the Bible says He's going to deliver the kingdom up to God. Father. He's going to deliver it up. Not coming. Jesus is not coming to establish it. He's coming to deliver it up when He resurrects the dead. So here's what the Bible says, what we've just described. In Daniel 2 and many other Old Testament passages being referred to when Jesus was on earth, found their fulfillment in Christ Jesus. In His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His exaltation at God's right hand ascended to the heavens. So that... From that day forward, we are now in the last days. Joel was quoted on the day of Pentecost and he referred to the last days and Peter said this is what Joel was talking about. That in the last days, your sons will prophesy and see and have visions and dreams. God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. You see, the last days now. And since... Pentecost, God speaks to us in His Son. The kingdom exists now, and that's the church, you see. Matthew 16, 18 and 19, God, Christ said, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades won't prevail against it, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Church and the kingdom are used synonymously, interchangeably. The house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. The Bible says, that we are living in the kingdom age. The gospel age is the kingdom age. Kingdom is not of this world. It's His church. You want to be in the kingdom? You need to get into it now. You need to be baptized into Jesus Christ now and added by Him to His body. Now. Transferred into that kingdom now. Because when He returns, there won't be any chance. It'll be over then. Because when He returns, there's resurrection and that's the end. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die and after this to judge it. No. Not it's appointed men to once to die, but then you're going to be raptured, then you're going to be brought back to earth for a thousand years. And then you'll be taken up to heaven and have a judgment. 
No? Matthew 25 shows the day when the Lord will come in His glory and all the nations will be gathered around Him and He'll separate the sheep from the goats. Some will go away into everlasting life and some will go away into everlasting condemnation. Verse 20, uh, Matthew 25, 46. And so heaven and hell. Oh, by the way, the earth, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be burned up. 2 Peter 3, 10-12. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens, being on fire, will melt with fervent heat. See, it's, this world is stored up for fire. And that fire is going to be applied when Jesus comes back. That will be the judgment day. That will be the great white throne scene in Revelation 20, 11 and following. So when Christ returns, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we've seen this morning. And, we can, and that is, first of all, it's going to be a personal, visible return of Jesus. Just like He went up when He ascended. He's going to come back, Acts 1 and verse 11. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. The hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. John 5, 28 and 29. Not two different, not a first resurrection and a second resurrection, and then the resurrection of the wicked. That's a distortion of Revelation 20. A misunderstanding of that context. You see, this fundamental point we need to remember when we're studying Scripture. Let the easy passages explain the hard ones. And the easy passage tells Jesus says, When I come back, everybody's going to be raised. And there'll be a judgment. The living, if you're on the earth, you're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. We read that in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. When Jesus comes, the world is going to be destroyed with fire. We read that in 2 Peter 3, 10-12. When Jesus comes back, and by the way, all this is visible. It's inside of the secret. There's going to be a judgment of everybody when Jesus comes back. Matthew 25. And we saw that in verse 31. And many other like passages. Revelation 20, 11-13. When Jesus comes back, the kingdom is going to be delivered up to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. Because you see, that's what's going to happen when everybody's raised. This is the reward of the righteous. You see, this is the, the eternal kingdom. 2 Peter 1, 11. So the reward of the righteous is to be delivered up to the presence of God following the judgment. But there's going to be punishment on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says these will receive punishment, even eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His might. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. So we need to obey the Gospel or we're going to be punished. We need to know the Lord Jesus Christ or we're going to die eternally in our sins. There's going to be reward and punishment when Jesus comes back. And the kingdom having been delivered up to God, God's going to reign forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Now, brethren, we can comfort each other with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18. The rapture gives false hope. It's built on a false premise about the kingdom. And it gives false expectations that are never going to happen on this earth. 
But we can be comforted. This is a snapshot. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 is a snapshot of what's going to happen to Christians when Jesus comes back. The broader picture is everybody's going to be raised. And everybody will be judged. And the world's going to end. And eternity begins. We don't have to be afraid of the future. Christians are not afraid of the future. We wait for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from heaven because that's where our citizenship is. That's what we anticipate forevermore. We don't have to doubt the truth of these matters. It's understandable. It's knowable. And it shapes our faith and defines our lives here as we prepare for eternity. Christ can come at any time. He's going to come suddenly in judgment. He came and He will come when many are saying peace and safety. If you think you're going to read the signs and the seasons of this world to tell you when Jesus is going to come back, you're going to fail. Every person who's tried to put a date on the return of Jesus has failed. And those who keep trying continue to fail. Why do you continue to put your faith in such falsity, such false hope, such impotence, such error? No. What we need to do is live holy lives. 2 Peter 3.11 says, seeing that these things are thus all to be dissolved, what manner of people ought we to be in holy living and godliness? It ought to shape the way we live when we really know what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future. Jesus is reigning now. And He's going to come back with His judgment to reward the saints and to bring punishment upon sinners. And it will be forever. It won't be on earth. It will be lifted up to God. You want to be a part of that? You want to be delivered up to God the Father and there reign in eternity with Him? Then enter the kingdom now. Like John, who was a partaker in the kingdom, Revelation 1 and verse 9. He had fellowship in the kingdom. You can too. If you in faith will repent of your sins and confess that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, He'll add you to His kingdom. He'll add you to His church. You'll be a Christian. You'll be saved with the hope of heaven. If you're sinned in your life as a child of God, God's merciful. God's ready to forgive. If we'll confess our sin to Him, if we'll repent... He'll forgive us. And we want to help you if that's your need too. Want to respond to God's call in God's way while we stand and sing.